Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's get ready for a new week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. This is Bob Getty along with Kelly Sanner. We're at the Southern Bank Corps Studio in Hattiesburg, and we understand that Luke is with us. Didn't think he was going to be here today, but he is. He's in Laurel in the Southern Bank Corps Studio there. Opening segment of the show is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our program. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics, and we thank Dickies uh, for all they do. All right. Baseball Golden Eagles go 2-2 two and two on the week. They have a really impressive midweek uh, victory over southeastern Louisiana and then uh, play three really close games out in uh, Texas against Texas State. They come up a little short, and uh, the Bobcats win the series against the Golden Eagles. Head baseball coach Scott Berry joins us. Each and every Monday. So, Coach, let's uh, get right to it. I know everybody has a lot to ask you. Let's uh, let's go back to Tuesday night. Uh, you travel down to Hammond against a really, I think, very good baseball program. Everything's going right. You finally get Billy Odom, where uh, I think it, you had told me was uh, who you had hoped to pitch a lot for you midweek. He's able to do that. Uh, he pitches well. You hit three home runs, and you get a really nice, uh, relatively easy 8-1 to one win over a good southeastern Louisiana club. Well, right, and they were just coming off from a uh, series win on the road against Auburn, uh, which was really big for for their program and had a lot of momentum coming in that Tuesday game. Always a tough place to play in Hammond, but our guys responded well and and came out and did what we needed to do. You know, we came out, scored one there in the top of the first, and uh, and then ended up scoring a couple of crooked numbers, three in the sixth and three in the seventh. But you know, Billy Oldham. Uh, Cross Sively and Justin Storm pitched really well on the mound, and, and our guys offensively backed it up. Right, I love ESPN Plus. I was able to watch you Friday night out on the East Coast and uh, St. Augustine, Florida. Saw Tanner Hall being Tanner Hall again. Sively comes in and uh, and I thought pitched really, really well. You get a nice four to two win over uh, Texas State, and a lot of credit goes to those two kids. Well, they did. You know, Tanner, once again, did a great job for us, uh, covering five and two-thirds and only giving up two runs. Uh, neither one of those were, were earned but and only gave up two hits. But Cross Sively, you know, comes in when, when we're a little bit in trouble there in the sixth inning. He gets that much needed out. I think he inherited runners at first and second. 
gets the uh, gets the out and then goes on and pitches the last three innings for for his second save of the year. So he's been tremendous out of the bullpen, and you know, wish, could, wish we could go to him every time. Obviously, you can't. The arm doesn't hold up like that, but. Uh, what a great job that he did and, and Tanner did and, and, and our and our guys offensively uh, on the road there to win that opener in Sunbelt play. That was your first trip out there. Before we get to the next two games, your observation of Texas State, of their facilities, of the atmosphere, of what you saw out there for your first trip? Got pretty good. You know, nice facility, all synthetic grass, same company that we used, field turf, just a little different co- color combinations, but Nice facility, uh, good stands. Uh, uh, fans were very engaged. Uh, honestly, there was a, a pretty good section that was on me all three days at, at third base and uh, didn't let up. So, you know, the atmosphere is good, and that's what you wanted for, for college baseball. I was really impressed by their turnout. Nothing like ours and, and right. what we have, but, you know, certainly coming out of the Conference USA where – you know, there's some venues that you go to, and there's 150 people, and 75 of them might be our own that had traveled. So, right. uh, good, good, good first weekend in Sunbelt Play. What were the fans just trying to make you feel welcome? Is that what it was? Just greeting you and welcoming <laughs> you to Texas, Coach? Well, they uh, they were commenting about uh, no hair. Uh, they they had done their research. I, I don't really remember taking my helmet off, so I, so they uh, they certainly looked at my bio and, and saw that I didn't have any hair and and reminded me of that several times among other things. Well, oddly oddly enough, they were saying they were number one too, but not using the finger that I would normally use. Um, <laughs> hey, Coach, while, yeah. while we're on the subject of of Cross Sibley, and several fans have asked me this question. And of course, I just, you know, I'm a little league coach, so obviously it's a lot different situation. But but when you and Coach Ostrander decide who your starters are going to be, who your bullpen guys are going to be, how do you make that determination? And and could Civilly ever be pressed into the role as a starter, if need be, somewhere down the road? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, definitely. I don't know if it'll happen this year. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, certainly, you know, we hope that the three guys that – that we have uh, ran out there every weekend will continue to improve. I know there was a couple of hiccups maybe this weekend, but you know, that's they're human and, and that's going to happen. But certainly cross right now is, uh, is one of those that is very comfortable coming out of the bullpen. You know, he settled in from always pitching out of the stretch, whether he's starting the inning or whether he inherits runners and he's comfortable with that. Uh, and I think that has really just kind of simplified his, his delivery and allowed him to concentrate and really pound the zone with good stuff. So, you know, I'm not going to say there's, you know, not ever uh, a need or possible adjustments that, that take place. Uh, but, you know, I think to, uh, to try to do any of that right now would be a little premature in, in where we are and, and where we're trying to get. All right, coach. So you lose that Saturday game three to two, but that was a that was a really close baseball game. Score early, pitching staffs, uh, relief staffs in particular for both teams uh, pitched really, really well, and that that's one of those games could go either way. Yeah, I really could. You know, and, and if you look back, and I told the team yesterday, you know, we're uh, we're twelve and seven on the year, and I think of those seven losses. There were three. I think there's been three just like Saturday's games where, you know, offensively we had put ourselves in situations in a couple of innings to to score runs and, and, and really just simplify the game and, and not not 
focus on the outcome of, of the at-bat, but, but focus on the process of what we're trying to do. And, you know, there was an inning there, I think, in the, in the sixth inning where we had first or second and third, obviously no out. And, uh, you know, we had the guys up we wanted, but uh, we didn't get a run in. And that was a huge momentum swing against our starter, who is uh, projected to be one of the top 40 picks uh, this this draft. So, you know, we had him right where we wanted him, but wasn't, wasn't, wasn't in the cards for us. But, you know, the second inning, or I'm sorry, the first inning after we took the uh, 1-0 lead on a double steal there uh, with two outs, uh, you know, we got back-to-back outs to, to, to start at the bottom of the second. And then, man, they had three straight doubles and a walk and a base hit. Next thing you know, we're, we're now behind two to one. So they're a good hitting club. And, uh, you know, looking back, Bob, Kelly, you know, you, you say, hey, we should have won that series, and Saturday was the game that we let get away from us. No question. And I know Sunday you're not happy with 13 walks. No, you know, and, uh, you know, that's just uh, that's, that's kind of mind-boggling in all honesty. Uh, and I think, you know, you take away that there was the, the one inning there, the third inning, where there was five walks in that inning and a hit-by-pitch. And, right. uh, you know, it's just not – uh, not what we uh, what we're accustomed to seeing at all in there, and uh, you know we just kind of really just self inflicted uh, our own own loss in that one on Sunday. Great. Carson Pato did seem to enjoy kind of a comeback, for lack of a better term. Uh, Sunday he got he got the home run and just looked like he was uh, looked like he was just hitting the ball with a little more confidence, Coach. Well, I hope so. You know he's a good player. Um, certainly was. Uh, was a guy yet last year as a redshirt freshman that really came on. You know, we used him in a couple of different places in the order. He was there in the seventh uh, spot for a long, long time, and he got a lot of fastballs to hit down there. And then, of course, when Gabe Montenegro uh, went out, uh, got hit in, in the uh, in the eye with that pitch, then I moved Carson to the, the leadoff spot because I felt like he was showing a lot of good plate discipline and pitch discipline and not getting himself out and taking his walks, and he did. But, you know, I think now this year what we've seen so far, he's put a lot of pressure on him on himself and uh, has, has gotten himself out a lot of times on swinging the pitches out of the zone. So he uh, he sat over there by me for a couple of games, and uh, you know I thought he responded well yesterday with with his at bats and had much more competitive. You know the first first at bat he he took it looking in a in a big situation, and and then after that he really settled in and had some good at bats. So we certainly need him swinging uh, along with a lot of other guys. Well, coach, uh, before we go to the break, you know the Illinois play by play guy told me when he got down here that Friday that he felt like he was in the college baseball universe center of the universe in mississippi with three great programs but baseball is a funny game you take the three great baseball programs in mississippi they go a combined one and seven over the weekend baseball's hard yeah. to predict in a coach it really is it really is and you know and then you kind of look around the rest of the country and you say number two tennessee goes to missouri and gets swept by missouri which is just i would have never Never thought that, but it happened. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. Going to get Luke and Kelly in the conversation. Other side of the break. Stay with us. More from Coach right after this.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, let's get right back to head baseball coach Scott Berry. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. And that's a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel. Coach, I'm fixing to throw this over to Luke and Kelly, but before I do, i got to give you a fan's perspective. Behind the plate calling yesterday got pretty rough, and uh, there was a really crucial part of the game where I thought uh, we struck out a guy who eventually scored twice on uh, on the third pitch. I know you can't really comment on that, but uh, was was well, was my I, vision? I, I was actually, my... Well, I actually can. I was I was a little you know disappointed in uh, you know the officiating yesterday. It was more on the game management side, in all honesty. But, you know, hey, that's not going to be the last time something like that happens, I can assure you. But, um, you know, as we've talked before, that's big but, part of the game sometimes. So, you know, moving forward, hopefully we, we will see much better that, game management people. But my eyes did not deceive me on that scenario. Am I correct? Well, from the side, I, yeah, I saw the same thing. Of course, if we were at home, I would have access to a camera that I could go back the next right. day and review everything right. that I don't when we're on the road. Right. Well, trust me on that one, Coach. Those were okay. two, those were two stories. All right, Luke, get in here. First weekend in Sunbelt play, uh, the differences with this, uh, you know, the pitch clock, the batter clock. I know one time the umpire pulled out, a, apparently we called timeout or something. One time, I think you mentioned it was on defense, but another time, maybe the Saturday game, it was on offense. Is that Are we still getting used to that and, and your observations uh, from the first weekend in conference? Well, no, I think I think everybody's pretty used to it. The, the difference um, that Texas State did is they took their 22nd uh, basketball shot clock and had them on top of each dugout, and there was a guy over there that was running them. And, and I thought he was really good at it, honestly. I kept up to when he was starting it, making sure that he was doing it same time for both teams. And But I think the the call that you were referring to is Blake Johnson actually called timeout. Uh, and and if that takes if that takes place, it's now it's a it's a violation. It's actually an offensive timeout, which we get three of them. So unless it's some kind of circumstance where there's a bee that's flying around your face or something that they warrant that, hey, the timeout needed to be called. Other than that, it's going to be one of your one of your charged timeouts. Yeah. Looking at some of your, your offensive guys, we talked about Peyto, Sargent at 147, Johnson at 208, um, Lynch at 220. Are you seeing anything specific, you know, with it, or is it just the the funk of the early season? And and these are you know experienced hitters that we expect to break out. Well, I think that there's there's pitch selection and and what they are chasing out of the zone that puts them in a pitcher's advantage count versus a hitter's advantage count. Talked about that yesterday at the end of the game. That we we at times we do a really good job. Our walk numbers are up. That's what we did at Southeastern so well. We took our hit by pitches, and that's what really kind of generated the offense and got the guy into the stretch out of the windup and, and made him uncomfortable. But you know, there's times against other pitchers where we'll swing at stuff outside of the zone, and you know, I guess sometimes you got to credit the guy on the mound that he does have that stuff, but. You know, I think when you get to the second and third time through the lineup and, and you've seen the same guy, then you ought to be able to have learned from what your previous at-bats showed you. So I think it's 100% pitch selection and being able to turn those counts into hitter advantage counts versus pitcher's advantage counts. Yeah, one more. I'll throw it to Kelly. 
the 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 Achilles Hill coach and pretty obvious is the Eagles getting timely hits with runners in scoring position. Is that what you just said in reference to pitch pitch selection? Give the guy on the credit mound, but I mean, what what do you expect your guys to do moving forward? Because it it's just that that is that and, and walks have been, you know, just what why why the uh, the record is as it is right now. You know, it's it's hard to win games when both of those are present, and you know, it's hard to win games when one offsets the other. You know, so so we have to be able to limit those situations that you just said to where it's more in our favor. We've got to quit giving up the freebies. And then whenever we create those opportunities, and we've talked a lot about opportunities, we've got to cash in on them. And, you know, before you can cash in on something, you've got to get the opportunities. So we got to keep doing it. And, you know, uh, what, what you're afraid of, it, it becomes that kind of mental block because you haven't been successful at it so many times that now the pressure builds in that situation. So we've got to continue to talk about just concentrating, just relaxing, focus on the process. Don't focus on the outcome. If, if all you look at is the outcome, then the pressure becomes too big because we get lost and we've got to get a hit. And a lot of times in that situation, Luke, it's not get a hit. It's get a ground ball in a certain area. It's yeah. get a fly ball, and maybe it's just one run, but it's one run closer to where you're trying to get than not getting anything. And we saw that on Saturday's game in the sixth inning. Second and third, nobody out, and we got, I think, strikeout, walk, and then, I'm sorry, strikeout, fly ball, too shallow, and then we got the deep fly ball that we needed in the in those prior to it back. So, you know, we've got to get better. We're 12 and 7. We could easily be, you know, 15 and 4, but, but we're not. We have to learn from the good uh, and we have to learn from the bad as well. Before we look at the privateers coming up tomorrow night on the road and then back home against the Georgia Southern Eagles, Coach, I want to kind of pick up on what you just said about it seems to me that pitching across the board, I'm speaking in gen- generalities here, pitching has never been better. Uh, across the college ranks, but yet we see these high level of, of walks in different instances. It seems to me, my observation has been that the strike zone continues to get tighter and tighter with these umpires. Is is that been, and again, not just for your team, but for all teams, is that what you see? And, and what is the strike zone anymore? Because the chest high strike has gone the way of the Buffalo, it seemed a long time ago. Well, the strike zone is whatever that umpire deems as the strike zone, number one. There is no scientific strike zone. If, if there is, then we'll go to an electronic, which I hope we we'll never go to. If, you know, if that happens, I'll probably never watch another game. So that's, you know, the umpire has always been a big part of it. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there's been a lot of talk around the country exactly of those things about how the zones have tightened up how there's more walks uh, than, than we've seen in prior years. But I think it's all with the technology now and being able to grade umpires. And every one of those umpires, particularly in our league, which the same umpires that, that umpire S or, or the assigner assigns for the SEC and a couple of other leagues. So those reports after every game are sent to that assigner. And those umpires behind the plate know that they are being graded every game so you know they're afraid to give those balls off in all honesty so they're trying to work black to black but the problem is is that we're college student athletes we're not professional major league baseball players that can can throw to such a tight zone 
uh, like like those guys can, and they have have had the ability to to develop that skill. We're we're not, and and that's why you're seeing the tight zones. You know, everything is about a faster plate pace of game uh, from a time management standpoint with, with time between pitches, time between innings. But then it seems like we're just taking a step backwards because now we've tightened the zone up. Now there's more walks, there's more pitches thrown, the innings are longer. Uh, and, and and that's kind of defeated that purpose, honestly. A- amen to everything you say, because I've always said the game is intended for the ball to be pitched and the ball to be put in play so that defense you know, can make plays. But umpires are getting so tight now that everybody's looking for a walk. That's not what people pay to see. Bob, but they go on the road tomorrow to a sellout crowd. Yeah. In New Orleans. UNO, uh, word is it sold out, Coach. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what I heard. So, uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. It will be, be a larger tangent getting after you uh, about your uh, lack of hair, Coach, than that would happen oh, in Texas dude. State. Coach, Coach, why Why is – you know, college baseball is such a great sport, and it's just the popularity of it has just exploded. I don't need to tell you – uh, in the last 10, 15 years. But why is there this constant effort to change the game? Now we've got the the clock between pitches. Why is why don't we just leave this wonderful game alone? I don't know, Bob. I ask that every year. I have to watch a 30-minute new rules video of something that they have tweaked or tampered with or decided that this is better for the game. And, you know, and I want to say we've been playing this game for a long, long time. If, uh, you know, we're so smart about all these changes, why didn't y'all figure this out 10, 10 years ago? So I really don't know why they do it. Uh, I know from I'm not the only coach out there that's frustrated with all the rule changes. And a lot of it, you know, I'll be honest with you, makes it harder on that umpire in the field. And mm-hmm. they'll tell you that. And uh, so I, I don't know who's responsible for it, but, you know, they need to just kind of take a, a sabbatical for a few years and, and – uh, and do something else, I think, and just let us play play the game. I think they've changed about as much as you can change. Yeah, it's right such now. a it's such a wonderful sport, and let's just not continue to tinker with it. That would be my option. All right, Coach. As always, uh, always great pleasure to have you on the Eagle Hour. We know how many people ask you for interviews every week, so we just never want to quit reminding you how grateful we are for the time you give us every week. Well, Bob, real quick, I just want to. Uh, express my deepest sympathy for the uh, family of Colonel Tyler Fletcher who passed away on Saturday morning. What a great man. Uh, spent a lot of years here working at Southern Miss in the criminal justice program. Was a sweet holder for baseball. Really invested in our program and, and touched a lot, a lot of lives in his lifetime. So we're grateful for everything that Colonel did for, for our program and everybody that came in contact with him over the years. Well said, Coach. Coach Scott Berry, everybody, on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, the Super Talk Eagle Hour is brought to you in part by Jana King, the King of Clean. Their team has been working for 35 years cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eateries, stadiums, and worship. They can clean your business too. Go to JanaKingCleans.com. That's JanaKingCleans.com. 
Did you say that? Did you say that while I was gone? I did. And actually, Bob, I tried to do it in Paul Harvey's voice. Uh huh. Let me hear it. <laughs> Janet King cleans <laughs> for 35 years. JanetKingCleans.com. <laughs> well, anyway, I tried to do Paul Harvey, and the brash youngster, Ben Milam, was with it. Mm-hmm. He'd never heard of Paul Harvey. Oh, no. Yes. He, no. So he did went on the internet and, and researched him, oh, researched no. Paul You're Harvey. No, no. Got to got to hear a little bit of Paul Harvey. <sighs> Four Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment. I bet he's heard of that. Uh, they're located right in the shadow of the rock. Doesn't know who Paul Harvey is, but knows exactly where Four Street Bar and Grill is. <laughs> Great lunches. Uh, five days a week. Uh, always got the USM baseball, football, basketball game on TV. Four Street Bar and Grill. You know, Bob, the Eagles head to New Orleans tomorrow for that game with the privateers. We kind of tongue in cheek were talking with Coach Barry about the sellout. You know, supposedly so here's it's not. Well, here's the story. All right, here's what what we're hearing is that of course it's been well documented that Southern Miss fans bought up every kind of season ticket, standing room only, everything. There were no tickets available, right, for anybody right. to buy because they're already spoken for. Well, when the privateer fans came up here uh, to see their team get drubbed, what eleven to nothing or whatever it was, there were no no tickets for them, which either they didn't believe or couldn't believe. Right. So the story that we're getting is that a booster in New Orleans, just so that Southern Miss people would not have access to the game in person, <laughs> that some booster for UNO, and we don't know if it's true or how much the, he paid or she paid for each ticket, but that a booster bought up all the tickets so that Southern Miss fans couldn't go. Couldn't go. Yeah. Now, now, how juvenile, yeah. if that's well, true. Well, we want that booster to get involved in Southern Miss football. <laughs> he can buy up all the tickets that aren't sold. Yeah, stroking checks like that's not a problem. That's what we hear. So we'll see tomorrow night. That game will be on ESPN Plus, I'm sure. And uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if the stands are for. What a weird weekend, guys. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, premier baseball programs in the country and they go a combined one and seven uh, Ole Miss is swept by Vanderbilt State is swept by Kentucky Southern Miss loses two out of three to Texas State Kelly Center it's just an unpredictable sport isn't it it is and, and unlike you know in football if you've got the biggest fastest guys you're going to win 90 percent of the time basketball if you've got the tallest guys you know inside you're going to win a good percentage of the time but baseball, you got guys that are 5'8", 5'9", 5'11", can beat you to death, you know, on any given night and right. playing different positions. Luke Johnson, Georgia Southern coming into town this weekend. They just swept South Alabama. They're 10-10. Ten and 10. I believe they hosted a regional uh, last week. There, There is no reprieve in uh, this new conference when it comes to baseball. Not at all. And you look at uh, after Georgia Southern, you got Ole Miss. And then you go on the road against Troy. And then you go on the road at Old Dominion. And then you play Alabama. And then you get James Madison, Louisiana Tech. And then you go to Coastal Carolina and play Tulane and Louisiana Tech. <laughs> mm. yeah. than, than, That's the next month of baseball, guys. Yeah. Um, looking around the Sun Belt over this weekend, Coastal Carolina took two of three from James Madison on the road. Georgia Southern, as mentioned, swept South Alabama. Appalachian State took two of three from Marshall up in West Virginia. Uh, of course, Texas State took two of three from the Eagles. Um, our our favorite team, by the way, uh, Louisiana. 
um, that doesn't want people to call them Louisiana Lafayette or the University of Louisiana Lafayette on their website have both the University of Louisiana at Lafayette and ULL. Just to bring that to mind, guys. Mm. They swept Arkansas State. Old Dominion swept uh, Monroe, uh, down in Monroe, and then Georgia State swept Troy. Um, so up to date after the first weekend, Old Dominion, Louisiana, Lafayette, and Georgia State, and Georgia Southern, all 3-0. Texas Tech, Coastal Carolina, and App State, all 2-1. Southern Miss, James Madison, Marshall, 1-2. Troy, South Al, Arkansas State, and ULM, all 0-3. One of the surprises very early on, obviously, only the first weekend, was Georgia State sweeping Troy. That that surprised me because mm-hmm. uh, I think Troy is really a good team. Um, but I think Ole Miss is a pretty decent team too. I mean, they won the national and they, and they got you know and got beat by by a what Missouri? No, that was Jacksonville State. They got beat in the week by Vandy. game by Jacksonville State. Yeah, uh, Missouri swept Tennessee. Yeah, there which you was go. Ranked second in the country. Georgia Southern, no surprise. They got off kind of a shaky start. Their play-by-play guy will be on the show. We just confirmed that uh, Wednesday at one uh, forty. Uh, he said they really needed that over the weekend. They had gotten off kind of a rocky start. But, Kelly, you know a good bit about that school. They're a lot like Southern Miss in the respect they kind of live in the shadow of the SEC. But they hosted a regional last year. They're a very good baseball program. Uh, Georgia Southern is one of the fastest-growing universities in the country, let alone uh, in the, the southeastern part of the United States. It's the University of Georgia, kind of like LSU, is where every every kid from Georgia seems to want to go. But they've made uh, getting into Georgia so difficult now that kids that that otherwise would be really good students can't sometimes get into Georgia. So Georgia Southern becomes, you know, the, the second choice. And with all of the baseball, the travel baseball in Cobb County and in the Atlanta area, you know, perfect game, Under Armour, all those places being located around the Atlanta area. Now, Statesboro's still about three hours away, but a lot of great cultivating of young talent over in the state of Georgia. Going to be tough, Luke. Yeah, it was uh, it was actually an interesting weekend. They they scored, you know, coming into this, they had lost six in a row. Um, they took two or three from Central Florida first weekend of March, then lost a midweek doubleheader to Georgia, then got swept by Rutgers at home. Gave up 19 runs in one of those games throughout the weekend. Gave up 31 runs, only scored eight uh, to Rutgers. Turned around and lost to Ken- Kennesaw State. And then uh, over the weekend, uh, took care of South Alabama, ten and six, eleven and one, and then yesterday uh, got the sweep with a five and four. It'd be interesting to see how they play against Mercer um, just down the road in in Macon. But yeah, I mean, Golden Eagles, uh, this is it, guys. You have to hit the ball safely with runners in scoring position. I mean, yeah. it's it, they haven't even. I mean, yesterday. I mean, you know how many times you you did better Friday night, but you know yesterday. Um, you look at the line score, Golden Eagles left 10. You look at Saturday, Golden Eagles left nine, or left nine. So 19 runners left on base in games that you lose by, what, a combined four runs? Correct. Uh, yesterday, actually, the Golden Eagles left the bases loaded in the eighth inning and runners at second and third in the ninth inning. And on top of that, walked, uh, what did we say, Kelly? 13. Walked 13 batters, I believe, and uh, – you just you can't win against good teams doing that. It's really kind of remarkable yesterday in particular that, that the game was as close as it was uh, in light of just how many and – and a hit pitcher, a hit batter, I mean. And then, again, leaving these guys on base uh, 
frustrating, really, really frustrating. And, and going back to, to Georgia Southern's sweep of South Al this weekend, I, I was telling you on the plus side, Georgia State's off to a really good start. But you guys, I, I don't mind telling you, I'm scratching my head about this South Al team. Not to take yeah. anything away from Georgia Southern, but and because the, the series was at Statesboro right this past weekend, but South Al didn't even like show up the first oh, couple of games. Traditionally, a really good baseball program. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's just an anomaly this weekend or if South Al is headed for a down year. Yeah, well, you got to believe, Luke. It's all going to come together sooner or later. You got to believe that uh, you, you, at some point you got to start getting here's some timely hits. Just the odds are you right. got to get some. Yeah, on the offensive side, you're batting 254 as a team. You only got three guys. Here's the discrepancy. So Wilkes at 354, Etzel at 325, Dickerson, who's who's average, I think dropped like 30 points over the weekend. He's at 303, 354, 325, 303. Then you drop to 255. Only one guy, Ewing, and then Lynch, Pato, Robertson, Johnson are all 220 and lower, and Sargent is at 147. So something's got to give. I mean, you, you we saw Russo come off yesterday, get the uh, you know get the double, nice hit, but he's batting below 100 in his opportunities um, this year. You know, Parker is at 314, but he's been you know he's uh, he's batted less than some of the other guys. So if you throw Parker in there, four guys above 300. Now on the pitching side, explain this, and this I think this comes with the walks. Emphasize the walks. You got a 458 ERA. But they're only hitting 218. Teams are only hitting 218 off the Golden Eagles. And yet you're giving up, you know, your earn run average is, is 458, and you could even, you know, include right. far more, you know, with the runs on that. Well, so, you put so many people on base with walks and hit batters. I mean, 13 walks yesterday, 13 walks in one game, plus a hit batter. So that's 14 free passes you gave the team yesterday, and you still only lost by three runs. I They've still- hit 30. Five guys through 19 games. And I, I still contend, though, that a lot of this goes back to what I talked with Coach Barry about. And, I, and I'm and i seeing it, you know, even at the high school level, umpires tightening up the strike zone. It, it makes You're for right. a, a very boring game. Make the guys hit the ball and have the defense make the plays. That's the way the, the game was designed to be played. And... It's just getting so hard to be a pitcher nowadays that everybody's looking for a walk. Some atrocious balls and strikes against the Golden Eagles yesterday in really crucial times. And you're watching it from TV, so you're seeing it from behind the pitcher, and you're saying, well, what is a strike? I mean, what is a strike? Oh, well. Softball ran into kind of a buzzsaw themselves this weekend. We'll talk about that next. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Monday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Nippy outside, cold outside. Maybe you can take advantage of D1 and uh, DBAT in Hattiesburg. Batting cages, training facility, pro shop. It's all there. DBAT D1 on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com. Southern Miss Golf. In Humble, Texas, at the Golf Club of Houston for the All-American Intercollegiate, taking on teams like Louisville, LSU, Old Miss, Tennessee, Houston, North Texas, 
Golden Eagles in a middle of uh, the tournament right now, 19th. I'm looking to move it, move up. It is uh, will be take place tomorrow as well. I think it's maybe 36 today and 18 uh, tomorrow. Track and field down at the South Alabama Invitational over the weekend. Golden Eagles came away with six personal bests, five first place finishes, and a plethora of top ten uh, performances. They'll get ready to head to Tallahassee this weekend to compete in the Florida State. Um, relays beach volleyball out in Arizona over the weekend at the Tucson in Tucson for the uh, Arizona Invitational. Lady Eagles uh, go one and three, defeat Arizona Christian, lose to Arizona Cal Poly and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They're nine and eight on the year, and uh, we'll hit the road this weekend down to Baton Rouge to take on New Orleans, Florida State, Washington, and LSU in the LSU Beach. Invitational. Softball over the weekend uh, gets swept by Louisiana, and uh, th- this is not um, this is not something that uh, is uh, happens. We should say with less frequency, guys. We were talking over <laughs> over the weekend or over the uh, during the commercial break. Here's you a statistic, and Kelly, you were kind of blown away by this. This is the 74th consecutive Sun Belt Series win for the Lady Cajuns. It dates back. March of 2013, they have not lost a Sun Belt series. That that's, I don't know. I haven't really heard. Have we ever heard of anything like that going across the sports spectrum? I mean, it's over a decade. That is, that is pretty amazing. And I mean, this weekend they were, and it, and it's no secret that the Lady Eagles, are, you know, are short some pitchers. You know, um, Coach Poole's coming in and kind of reorganizing some things, and there's going to be. You know, a little bit of flux this first year, even though the, the young ladies have said just how much more of a positive locker room it has been. But there's going to be a lot of teams that get beat by Louisiana. They were knocking the snot out of the softball this weekend. I mean, they were hitting home runs, you know, right and left. Lady Eagles got 10 runned uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And look, it doesn't get any easier for them because, you know, Louisiana is ranked 23rd in the country. Now they're going to Marshall this weekend in Huntington, and Marshall's right there with Louisiana. So the schedule makers didn't do the Lady Eagles any any favors, uh, putting them against the two toughest teams in the league right out of the gate. Eight and four on Saturday, played a doubleheader, uh, 12 and uh, twelve to one, the second game of the doubleheader Saturday and yesterday, 10 to two. But yeah, Louisiana has not lost a series in Sunbelt play since March of 2013. That's what you call a tradition, right? The spicy food, I believe. (laughs) Um, Also, NFL news, former Southern Miss wide receiver Todd Pinkston going to be coaching the NFL, guys. Unfortunately, he's going to be coaching the the Kansas City Cheats. Uh, The Cheats, he will be the running back coach (laughs) for the C-H-E-A-T-S's. The poster boy of the NFL. (laughs) So we wish Todd well. And I uh, wish that, that he does a good job. But, yeah. uh, he's been on the show many times. He's a, he's a great kid. And, this, and the Southern Miss football team gets back from their spring break as a unit. They'll start. Uh, they'll put the pads on tomorrow. I think it's either 8 or 9 o'clock start tomorrow as they uh, continue their spring drills, getting some days off and uh, enjoying a little relaxation. Uh, now some you're going to have some interviews on the show tomorrow. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, some of the guys went to the went to the beach and were complaining, you know, the the, the time that they get off, they want to go to the beach, and it's 40 degrees yeah. with a wind yeah. at the beach. So It was pretty chilly on the East Coast this weekend at the beach. Was it in San Marcos? Was it? Was it? It was chilly in San Marcos. <laughs> it was. To, okay. to borrow a phrase okay. that I heard I don't know, a few times. Going, 
going back to to baseball, it was good to see Peto get going, you know, yes, and, and have sure. that day. But I mean, yeah, kind of for us to to talk again. I mean, it's at at what point, you know, do you have to to allow guys to continue to have you know at bats and just hope they get out of it to to maybe you know show. I mean, do you think tomorrow night we're going to see you know Russo in the lineup? I mean, it. At what point does that happen? Well, that's that's a good point, um, and you would think that you can you'd think that you can beat UNO maybe, you know, trying a few things. And Sarge is the big question. You know, a lot of people, um, and and like Coach Barry was talking about, it's kind of a double edged sword because the deeper you get into a slump as a player, the more you want to get out of the slump, obviously. And then, but in order to get out of the slump, you sometimes press a little bit too hard and do things that you normally wouldn't do which puts you further into the slump. So it is one of those things that once the light bulb goes off, because obviously he's capable, he's been a solid performer for the time that he's been for Southern Southern Miss. Desperately need Peto and Sargent to start hitting the ball. More consistently, for sure. Definitely, definitely need that. All right, we'll have football interviews tomorrow. Kelly's going to be at practice in the morning. I think we'll also probably have Heath Hinton on the show as well. And uh, we'll have the play-by-play boys of Georgia Southern, where are they, the Eagles? Eagles, they are. Uh, Wednesday, so we've got a full week coming up for you. They're, they're not the Golden there. Eagles, though, just, just uh, the Eagles. They're just the Eagles. And they're going to be good. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.